On tonight's episode of the Superhero Show Show, we'll find out if Doom Patrol's second season sticks the landing, if Warrior Nun's first season sticks the landing, and if the Umbrella Academy's second season premiere sticks the landing of the beginning. All of that and more on the all-new Superhero Show Show. What's up, nerds? Welcome to the Superhero Show Show, the only show on the internet where we review every live-action television show based on a comic book, or, that's right, you guessed it, a comic book property. My name is Cassie, and I will be the host of this wild show, and I'm here to try and lead us and guide us and help us process all of this comic book TV. This cannot be done with just one person, though, so I've brought some friends along. Here with me, as always, is my co-host, my friend, and a certified comic book nerd, Ryan. Cassie, it's so good to have you back. You've been... You you were gone for like two weeks. Mm-hmm. You missed a couple of two? episodes. Two weeks. Yeah. I don't. No, I was I was here for the last one. Don't you remember all those? There's no no. There's no way. Are you saying if you, you were, don't remember? If you were here last week, I would have noticed. I, I was, dude. I was here. I was hosting it. It was like it went off without a hitch. It was one of our best episodes. Everyone came uh, back and said like it was a huge hit. I can't believe you don't remember this. There's no fucking way. If you were here, I would have noticed. All I remember is like there was like uh, like maybe like ten seconds of silence. Mm-hmm. And then Mike and I would jump in the air and just crush podcasting more than podcasting has ever been crushed before. Mm. But you weren't here. You were on vac- you were on a two week vacation. Yeah. Yeah, I guess apparently. Apparently I like I showed up to the studio, but apparently it felt like I was on vacation to you, so that's good to know. But I don't want to get in between this like bromance. I want you two to like be able to like do a crisp high five right now and crush this podcasting. So Mike is also here. How's it going, Mike? Don't mock us. Nobody has ever met the two of us and wanted us our bromance to get closer than it already is. <laughs> Nobody's like, I enjoy this between you two. This is a good vibe. I think. I think for sure. I think that's what everybody. This is certainly healthy. <laughs> <laughs> it all tracks. It's all good. That's what Ryan feels, and we know we all gotta. It all matters what Ryan thinks. So. Also, Cassie is the only person that gets the text instead of the subtext. Everybody else we know, we uh, hope goes away, and they do it because of our incredible rapport. But I like how we just straight up tell Cassie, dude, uh, we're in love right now, and you're just in the way, and you're ruining a bromance. And that's yeah. what makes Cassie so supportive. Yeah. I do, like, I appreciate you guys letting me know that I'm just the third wheel right off the bat. Because, like, it sucks when you know that. But to be just, be, if we're up front and we just face it, I'm all about that. Yeah. It's the wondering that hurts people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're but- telling you. <laughs> you guys tell it- me daily. Thank you. Cassie, is it weird to you? And you're a consummate host. Like, you're really good at facilitating and moderating and all of that. But is it weird oh. to you that you'll just be like, uh, so guys, Stargirl this week, what's up? And then Mike and I break into an incredibly, impeccably choreographed dance as mm-hmm. we talk about Stargirl? Yeah. Like, I didn't want to, like, I'm glad we can mention it now. But it is, like, it does, the choreographed dance is just, like, a whole lot. That does hurt my feelings to just see. Because, like, you guys got to spend hours on that a week. And, like, where where am I during this? You know, like, we are a team. And you guys have this adorable, like, dance together. Oh, you're spending the board's money that's supposed to be for all three of us. Right, 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 right. So anytime you go on a vacation or a trip or a meal that should have gone to all of us, uh, that's when we... We get our anger out through dance. Yeah, True. weekly. You're like, uh, all right, so I have enough money for three tickets on a cruise. 
Mm-hmm. But if I sell all three, I can just buy the cruise ship. And then you just go on a cruise ship alone by yourself, which I guess is a good idea during the pandemic. But fuck, man. Like, is that fun to just be on water slides all day long? Oh, my God. Thank you for asking. It's so much fun, you guys. Like, I that hope one day. Fun. I think I get it. <laughs> yeah. I hope one day you get to. So now I know, like, each time you guys do this choreographed dance, I'm just going to take the company's credit card, or as I call it, daddy's credit card, and buy whatever I want. And I'm going to feel just fine about this. When. When you're on this solo cruise ship, is it awkward to be in that comedy show as the one participant not laughing at their terrible jokes? Yeah, well, you know, like, as you said, like, I take in this podcasting persona there, so, like, I'm a professional there, and I'm, I'm there to support them at that point, so I'm la- I just do the fake laughs, and it's just, we just get through it, you know? What is, and maybe, I don't want to blow up your spot, because maybe it'll hurt when I realize all I've ever heard is your fake laugh when we make jokes, but could we hear what your fake laugh sounds like? The fake laugh? Yeah, it's just like a... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's all I hear Shit. from you. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. And you guys will never know my true laugh. I will take that to the grave. It would hurt us. It would kill us to hear it. <laughs> but you Have guys... you guys been watching a lot of uh, baseball and basketball? Where you Hell can, yeah. You can sit at home and uh, go to the website, turn your camera on, and they'll film you. And then they'll put whatever you're filming onto a seat in this empty crowd. So the oh, really? crowd is what? just like thousands of people on camera trying to do things that's what we should do for cassie's comedy cruise is just like film us virtually there going not funny just (laughs) thumbs down (laughs) actually if we could like somehow get this virtual like if i can get not the real you guys on this pod and just like the virtual versions of you to like help me out on this podcast i'd be in for that too so we'll see try to figure that out there was a kid at the, uh, at the last Clippers game who turned the camera on. He was just sitting there watching it. So we see this virtual version on ESPN of this kid. And then all of a sudden, he's like, come here, come here, come here, come here. And a goat walks in onto camera. And he's just <laughs> hold, he's hugging a goat during the basketball game. And, like, the virtual audience is stupid. But if it was a real audience, we wouldn't have that goat. And now we fucking have that goat. There's so many more possibilities that come, too. That's amazing. And speaking of big, amazing opportunities, you guys, we got a big show because we are doing two main events coming up. We are going to be talking about Doom Patrol and Umbrella Academy, so be sure to tune in for that. And uh, that's coming up right now. On the season two finale of Doom Patrol, it's a DP-style end-of-the-world battle as the gang goes against the Candlemaker, who has dispatched their childhood imaginary friends to handle them. So instead of an epic battle between the crew and a super powerful demon thing, we are treated to individual battles against a mashed together paper doll, Dr. Cowboy, and of course, Jesus. We also learn of Miranda's past and see the moment that brought Crazy Jane as the main. And wouldn't you know, it's super fucked. So Taste Buds, I ask you, how did this finale st- stack up against the last? Well, let's get a couple things out of the way, first of all. Uh, this is something that we do have to talk about from time to time, is that this is clearly not the finale this is a 10 season order and covid made this nine episodes and Mm -hmm. this screams penultimate episode and yeah it's not a real episode if you get zero answers or ending yeah that's what it was super disappointing and we got to like everything it was you can definitely tell it was a penultimate because everything was like you could tell this next one so much would have been resolved and now we just have like this cliffhanger with it I mean, like you can, I, I can see how, like, all right, we've got ten episodes, and we want to, we want to go from season two to season three with a bunch of cliffhangers, and you can see how it's a choice. And this was clearly not like this was setting up for a big battle that definitely happened. My second question is, uh, I think Cassie, correct me if I'm wrong. 
Uh, this is your second episode of Doom Patrol. And how do you pick the horniest episodes of Doom Patrol to watch? <laughs> Every time. Yeah, I think I got the first one and then the horniest one and now this. It was unreal. I was like, I have like, a curse. Sex Patrol was crazy, but it was like ghosts and jokes, like open, mm-hmm. obvious jokes. And this one was just a bunch of fucking swinging cats having just actual sex. Orgy. <laughs> yes. A straight-up old orgy. And I was like, okay, just, all right, so they have a theme. We thought it was dads, but apparently it's just orgies. Well, dads are made through sex, so. <laughs> so true. So wise. And there's no dad that's never said to uh, their to your mom or your stepmom, hey, orgy, huh? It's happened at I least once, I promise. I think this will be good for us. <laughs> Man. But I do love, if we want to start with Miranda, like I do love her folding and doing that thing. I'm a wife in the past. It doesn't matter how far back. If you're a wife in the past, then you, you fucking buckle. Uh, but then at the end, being like Miranda or Jane, and then just calling out. Everybody here right now, you guys think that you're free. The people watching this right now thinks that like the 70s were free. You guys are pathetic, fucking manipulative like manipu- uh, pieces of shit. Like This is all bullshit, and you all suck. And then she walks away naked, and that's the Jane I love. That that also because I for a while been trying to figure out the difference between Jane and Hammerhead because each one of Kay's personalities has a different role and both of them yell at people all the time. Uh, the difference is Hammerhead will resort to violence faster and just yell fuckers, and Jane knows how to skate Terminator scan somebody and be like, "Here's what you need to hear now that'll hurt you." Boom. Yeah. Just the Which I don't want in my life. I want to watch on TV. I do not yes. want them to do that to me though. No. <laughs> no. That would be the most terrifying. Like, I will go up against imaginary friends, any, the candle maker, but no, not like, not somebody who can read me like that in an instant. Mm-mm. And, but, and, and so, if we're talking about Miranda and Jane and all their goings on, because she basically had her own storyline this episode where everybody else was like, she just fell asleep before they got all waxed frozen, and there's underground things and flashbacks. Uh, and we find out that it is not Miranda who's in Miranda's body controlling and changing everything. Who do we think it is? Honestly, guys, I I feel like that Doom Patrol has been my beat all season. You know, like I'm trying to report on it and each episode on its own I liked. But now that the season's over, I'm not sure it uh compares to season one. I every time I go to the underground, I do not know what's going on. I have no idea like what the rules are and how it <laughs> works, and I don't know if I'm stupid or if they are, and I think it's them. It, it's either it's them you. or you two. But I'm not sure. I like the I I normally hate dream type of shit, but because everything seems to have ramifications and it expands our cast by five times, I I kind of like the underground uh, and trying to figure out how it works. And oh hey Cassie, yeah, resident resident Mike Hipster likes how things are underground yeah, and not Superman and how he guy. discovered it first. Oh, and but he Jane, Jane gets it thrown in the well and she finds the other two are missing and she pretty much called out that Miranda killed them and then Kay we've finally seen Kay little girl Kay is doing her own detective work uh, and then she finds Miranda's corpse and yeah what's an interesting reveal of all of Jane's personalities is they are all naive because if anybody in the underground says something confidently they go I guess we'll listen to them mm-hmm. yeah, yeah which it- is what like makes it interesting I just I'm with Ryan like I'm like the Goldilocks between you two because like it seems like a cool, like, if I got it, it seems like it'd be cool, but I don't get it. So I'm just in between. I can I can definitely feel like uh, 
perfect societies, if you want to call Jane's underground, all of her personalities, a perfect society, it takes a lot of trust. And then there's also this thing of like uh, Mr. Burns's diseases. Like anytime a doctor looks at Mr. Burns, he's like, he, uh, he's so unwell. He has all of the diseases. But if you cure one of them, like then the rest of them will take over. You just have to let all of the diseases be and like function. And eventually somebody's going to be like, well, fuck that. I want to be the top disease. I want to be the top in charge and that's how shit gets fucked up it's just hard for me to keep track of like what scenes are real and right when are what basically when are what is a good question or a question i have what? often <laughs> but yeah like I, I have no idea who this is so i guess like hopefully that gets answered like i hope once it starts we get an immediate answer to that since it was like found out right at the end because i i have no theories nothing like i don't i don't know but that doesn't change the fact of how affecting it was for Miranda, I'm just going to say Diane Guerrero, for Diane Guerrero to have her husband leave once they get an apartment mm-hmm. and talk to them by herself and say, I think this is the answer. I think we're going to be okay. We can trust this guy. This guy will be good to us. And, like, really believe that. And, oh, my God, once again, the guy that we trusted is, as, like, as big of, even if it's in a different way, as big of a dipshit as everyone else we've ever met. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but also if that guy, when you first meet him and he like, or one of the times you meet him, it's he's like, I played a song for you, now tip me. I'm like, nah, fuck that guy immediately. <laughs> like that was Bob sign number one. <laughs> as soon as he was just playing a shitty song and he was like, and you normally pay me at this point. Like, fuck that guy. 100%. And I love Doom Patrol's version of like the American corporate ladder where uh, if you're homeless and playing the guitar, just decide to get a good job. And all of a sudden you're making a ton of money and moving up in the company. That was the late 60s, baby. <laughs> Just put in bare minimal effort and you get a mansion. That's it. That's all it took. <laughs> but you guys, on the other side of this, we did get these like imaginary friends. And I just want to know, do you guys just want to talk about Jesus for the rest of this? Because I'm down for that. Like, <laughs> this was the best part. Anytime. I, I think this is like Ghostbusters theory. Like, uh, Gozer or whatever her name was, was like, uh, your worst imagination will come true. And then all the Ghostbusters are like, don't imagine anything. And Dan Aykroyd's like, I'm so sorry. Stay puff, Marshmallow Man. Anytime, like, uh, is it, who's the character that is, like, uh, the professor's friend but not the guy in the trench coat? Oh, the podunk Constantine. Yeah, he's like, uh, hey, guys, just so you know, your imaginary friends are here, all of your imaginary friends. And I'm just like, fuck, yes, we get to see this right now. (laughs) And I don't think it disappointed. Um, Jesus seemed, if we want to go through them one by one, Jesus seemed a little preachery, a little... Oh, isn't it crazy that Jesus is here? But watching Jesus kick some ass and then also the thought of how many people have been kids and believed in Jesus and then said, no, never mind. And how rejected Jesus must feel from that. (laughs) I thought that was pretty interesting. It would turn him into a pro wrestler. Because that's the persona he has. They found the most, like, skater cracked out kid to play Jesus. And then he was just like this butthurt kid and he ripped off Cliff's arm. It was amazing. Yeah, uh, and I, I don't know. They seem like real people, and Cliff was just saying, like, oh, man, I thought that I could be, like, you know, I could just use you and be done with you. And Jesus was like, well, that hurts, dude. That that hurts me. And then also thinking about, like, Cliff's life and how he's treated literally everyone is, right. I thought I could use you and then be done with you. It's not just, like, fictional characters or religion. It's really how Cliff rolls. Yeah, Cliff has grown the least out of all our patrol of doom, for sure. Uh, that's He's, not true. Mr. Uh, Robot Man is like two feet taller than the actual cliff. So he has grown a lot. Oh, okay. So he grew that way. 
<laughs> Gotta give him that. But that's what, like, that's one of the parts that makes this seem like this episode as, like, a penultimate, like, he did have a little bit of growth because, you know, like, in this one, he actually admitted that, like, he was responsible for the life he fucked up with his daughter. Mm-hmm. And also, like, he got to work through his, like, hold up with Jesus and was, like, as a kid, you know, like, I was just waiting for my dad. I just needed a dad. So, like, it seems like after, like, now from, like, talking about this, he might have a brief moment where he can, like, not be a complete piece of shit in a few. It's also hard, too, because, like, Cliff's daughter hates Cliff or Robot Man because uh, he's been a terrible dad because he always made selfish decisions. And now he is making a selfless decision to go save the world and save Dorothy. That's not different to the daughter. You know, like, she's not going to see the difference there. And that it fucking it makes like Cliff almost as heartbreaking as Larry Trainer, who actually did not get an imaginary friend in this episode. Yeah, it was that there's just too much. There's not enough time, so Larry just gets candled right away. He has a blue shock of lightning as his imaginary, not imaginary friend. So maybe he's <laughs> taken care of. True, he does have a constant one. So I guess that's what they went with. Let's get to the other two though. Uh, Cyborg and Rita both have imaginary friends that have very heavy parent relations. Mm-hmm. Is that normal for imaginary friends? No. Because, yeah, Cyborg is Dr. Cowboy, and it's just is the actor who plays his dad as a Dr. Cowboy. <laughs> it's a great name, and I think that if you're, if you're starting out and you don't know who your imaginary friend is, combine two jobs. That's yes. fucking rad. And I like it that his – it's just made for affirmation. And that's why you mm-hmm. see how heartbreaking Cyborg is. Is like all he ever wanted is his dad to say he's doing right, and so he had to create a fake, fun version of his dad who just tells him whatever he's doing is right. Yeah, and in this version, you get cowboy, so it's just like this country ass dude. Like you, you let a murderer go out of boy champ, and you're just like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> but like every time they challenge you, every time that like they think of something to say, it's not your dad, it's not Jesus, it's not your mom. That's your brain. That's your brain right. doing that to you. And that's, that's kind of hardcore. I sort of like that as a penultimate and not ultimate episode mm-hmm. of a TV show. Yeah, so, and uh, Rita's is Mademoiselle Roxy, which is like a paper doll collage thing. And the eyes are her mom's eyes from a photo she cut up there. And they mostly just tap dance together, which is very <laughs> sweet. But I think visually, hers was the most terrifying. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, I, yeah, for sure. I'd say so. But it did have, like, Mademoiselle had its own, like, intro stinger whenever she came onto screen. Like, there was, like, a, a little stinger that played for her, and it was beautiful. I like how the show works with the Uncanny Valley, because it wasn't Dorothy's giant spider that was the scariest thing. Because you guys are just like, oh, that's a spider, but big. That's totally right. fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, or... Uh, uh, yeah, the Candlemaker. That's about that's about how big a Candlemaker would be. I don't fucking know. But uh, the fact that uh, Rita's is like all sorts of weird shapes and sizes, like that is sort of horrifying. Horrifying. And that it's like 2D. So like when she moves her arms, it's like this weird, it's unsettling to watch this thing move. And then they're tap dancing together just because they knew it was unsettling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all right, we're in the writer's room. This monster's unsettling. What's the most unsettling dance? Oh, it's tap. It's definitely tap. It's tap, motherfuckers. No one is scared of the lombata. It's tap. (laughs) But at the end, you guys, we do get... So we have Dorothy just stepping up and going to take on the candle maker. So do we have bets on, like, who's going to win in this battle? Dorothy. She makes a hammer spear. She says, no, take your cave person spear away, mother ghost. Uh, I will make my own out of my mind. And it's a a Thor's hammer on one end and, like, a three-pong spear on the other. 
Yeah. She's going to kick some ass and hopefully kill Niles afterwards. <laughs> I really I want to learn from Dorothy though. It's such a good call. Like if you're at a like a uh, I don't know, like a backyard barbecue and you have a plate, like let's pretend that covid's over and you have a plate and you're struggling with the meat and somebody says, "Oh, Cassie, do you need a knife?" You say, "No, I've got this." And then just pull a fucking giant knife out of just never like take anybody Yeah, never take anybody's bullshit thing. Create one for your own. <laughs> Was that weapon it, impressive? It was like a, it was like a hammer on the back end, almost like a a steady cam to like mm-hmm. level it, and then like three giant, four giant prongs coming out of it. Yeah, I think that's what an eleven year old, one hundred five year old is think is terrifying to look at. It's yeah. perfect. Yeah, I thought it was cool, and I just want to know like how it's used. Like, is that prong thing going to be electric? Like, I'm excited for whatever that crazy machine is. Well, with this being the season finale, uh, Candlemaker grabs her noodle harry potter style and then just takes hit takes her to his house and we don't see anything so Uh, it seems like she's fucked that's what like that's what's a bummer that like this was the ultimate because now we have like this cliff this huge cliffhanger and we're gonna get no resolution until the next one and i feel like all of this like build up is just gonna instantly die like if we come right back to that like it's gonna take a while to refill like this whole season of emotions Mm -hmm. the momentum of it i think that it seems like it, everything seems positive. I think it's going to come back. Um, but yeah, like what we're going to have to do is go through a season two finale and a season three finale all in the same season next time. Mm-hmm. And like we're just going to have to understand, right? Like, yeah. As as critical reviewers, we'll be fine with it. I would say <laughs> overall, though, it, I'm kind of bummed because this was supposed to be the season that everybody watched. It's on HBO Max, which is much more. You know, it's it's around more than DC Universe, and ultimately, I do think this season did fall sh- fall far short of season one. Yeah, they lo- they lost the cohesion. They it's if you're already into these characters, watching them grow and do different things and be alone is fine. But if you're getting sucked in, what sucked all of us in last season was them together. It reminds me a lot, actually, of. Mike, you and I with S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, like when we're watching a season seven episode and we love it and somebody else doesn't, not just Cassie, but really anybody. And we're just like, oh, no, you have to watch the first 120 not super great episodes <laughs> in order to understand how important this is. And that's that's a big ask. Yeah. It is indeed. But you guys, so overall, it was a letdown, but we can't hold it too much against him. Are You guys are probably in for the next season if it's back, though? Hell yeah. I, yeah. I fucking love this cast. I love this crew. I love this writing. I'm, eventually, we're going to get to the shishi for show of the year. I'm not sure that Doom Patrol is going to... I think it won last year. And I'm mm-hmm. not even sure it's going to be nominated. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, like it's earned so much with me that, of course, I'm going to be back and watch these people be freaks. <laughs> and probably some more orgies, knowing how it goes. Well, guys, that is all the time we have to talk about Doom Patrol. Up next, our other main event where we're talking about Umbrella Academy. When you're out there without care, yeah, I was out of touch. But it wasn't because I didn't know enough. I just knew too much. Does that make me crazy? Does that make me crazy? Does that make me on the season two, so is this like is this where we get to the bullpen? Like, 
there, Brian, like, thank you for interjecting right now. There is no bullpen. We have too much show. We got too many. What, what do you mean, there. too much show? There's got to be some time where we're like, uh, what if Spider Man was a unicorn? Discuss. Mm, no, yeah. we're going to see. Then we're only virgins could touch him. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's why we're going to see what it's like when we have no bullshit. Just straight no bull- book TV. You guys, people we're in. come for the bullshit. I I'm going to. I'm going to put in, like, a, a gentle two weeks right now. Like, it's okay. not locked in, but, like, I'm going to put in my two weeks. If we don't have like, bullshit on the show. There better be double bullshit next week or Ryan walks. <laughs> Do you guys know how hard it is for me to analyze these shows to have no bullshit? I'm so, I'm so sorry for all that you have to get or put through right now, Ryan. But, yes, we are doing no bullshit. We're going right to it. It is time to talk about Umbrella Academy. So That's bullshit. You're bullshit. On the season two of the Umbrella Academy is here, and with it comes number five, shooting through time to get his siblings together in order to stop the impending apocalypse that number five bears witness to. After the events of season one, each member of the Academy was thrown back into the same place, Dallas, but each in different years of the early 1960s. They all handle their new environments in different ways, from settling down to getting committed to becoming the muscle for one Jack Ruby. So Taste Buds, I ask you... Does the new setting for the new season help hide the feeling of deja vu? I, uh, I honestly didn't notice until prepping for the show. Like, I was uh, writing down stuff, and I was like, all right, number five, get the siblings together, uh, save Earth from a... Wait, what the fuck? <laughs> but while it, watching the first episode, I honestly didn't notice. I didn't realize. Yeah. Watching it, it washes over you, and they, they the tone is there, and like, I'm in my memory of season one it was like i liked some things i really didn't like other things and it started the same time as doom patrol so and i was like well we have doom patrol why would we need umbrella academy and now that doom patrol has fallen in estimation a little and umbrella academy season two has their tone locked down more uh i'm here for it and this time it does feel like five is clearly the main character where before they're like they all sort of are but this is five story and he just happens to have a bunch of siblings and i think that's really smart yeah well, yeah, like I, I see that, but like I also see the ensemble instead of uh, like uh, five and the siblings. I also see getting rid of Pogo, getting rid of Hansel and Gretel. What were their names? Hazel and Mary J. Blige. <laughs> and Mary J. Blige. I uh, maybe like the ensemble and uh, and the doctor, the uh, Hargreaves, and the robot mom, and like maybe the ensemble is the same, but they said, "Well, we'll just keep it at the siblings instead." Right, trimming it down a little. Right. Uh, and and having those different years, watching them, because before they were all separate, and we didn't know why, but now we get to know them, and watching what they're all going through. Like, it does feel like they're all changing from where we were. And what the 60s does to each of them, Allison obviously has it the hardest, right? Like, instantly, <laughs> she hit 1962, and I was like, oh, no. But, <laughs> like, but that becomes most successful. Like, we should, uh, we should, so they all hit this alleyway, and they all handle it in very different ways, very character ways. Some of them scream to the heavens and don't know what to do with their emotions. Some of them are like, well, I'm here now. I'm going to uh, go fall in love with a uh, civil rights activist and start an entire new life and forget it all. And uh, she does have it the hardest. She's the one who, when she walks into a restaurant, uh, people point to signs that say, no blacks allowed, and has to deal with that. But she also seems the most successful, like the most... Uh, like settled and like accustomed to everything. I'm just like, fuck it, dude. I'm going to live this life then. Yeah. Yeah. She hit it. It was like either, it was really like sink or swim for her. And she was like, I'm a fuck up at the 1960s. And like, she's taking no shit. I'm super excited for like her little storyline. And it's so great because Diego is in an insane asylum uh, because he says the pres- president's about to get murdered. 
and I want to stop it. And I mean, we know history, but if history is the future for you, you're like, well, this guy's crazy and we should commit him. And then also number five leaves him there because if you stop Kennedy's assassination, then you create a timeline and uh, everything's going to be crazy. Whereas Allison, right, Allison? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm so sorry. Uh, Allison says, oh, instead of, like, changing history crazy, I'm just going to, like, give a boost to civil rights, and I'm just going to push right. it, like, a little bit further and also marry a man that I love and be happy, and that that's awesome. Yeah, that's fine. That's not changing the timeline. Where, yeah, Diego is a control freak, and so he goes, well, this is wrong, and this I can do. Because Allison kind of knows how she fucked up her original life. And so she knows going for this and being fine and happy with having, like, a mission you can handle and a person you can love. But Diego never – he always wanted to be a vigilante. Like, he doesn't have a purpose. So when he tries to kill Lee Harvey Oswald, like, it's because that's a task he know he can do because he knows what's going to happen. And, like, and just do what's right. I want to do what's right plus. So, like, not like Atticus Finch. Not thinking about it. I'm going to do what's right hardcore i want to drink right. mountain dew and then do what's right and like number five sees right away oh i think that you might destroy the world in a different way so uh guys commit this guy again get him back Go into prison eat your friend's foot bacon <laughs> oh my god I, i'm so that glad was you fucking that horrifying. Made that, up. that was unreal i was like i had to rewind i was like that bitch just pulled bacon from her shoe like oh, nah, look- you can hide bacon so many places but your shoe will not asshole for it. i would rather eat it from <laughs> your asshole and yeah. I'm not saying you in general. I'm saying you too the right world. now. Uh, we on this show we have moment of the week, but we should have a WMOW uh, worst moment of the week. Like I gagged, I like bile <laughs> shot out of my nose in a way that I've never seen it before. Do you know what the, it, it, it tasted like? Toe jam and sock and foot. Mm-hmm. Oh god damn it! Yeah, because they're like, where's her shoe? It's like Vans too. Like it's so sweaty in there. Also, the piece of bacon was like one of those hard pieces of bacon. Like it was mm-hmm. a stick of bacon. I was like, oh god, man. This and is then, just the worst. There's a thing you have to do if you're going to make that baller move. Hey, idiot. Hey, bitch. Eat this bacon from my foot. And he, he says, no, you only have one choice. You have to take a bite. And yeah, she totally does. You got to. Man. But there was... So, like, I know... I think, were you guys on the same page? Like, last year, you guys were... Like, Diego was too much, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is I, he still I, too much for you guys? Mine was actually Klaus. That was the one yeah. that the internet loved, and I like I had way too much of. I thought it was so forced and stupid. And then at a certain point, maybe Diego took over. I think Klaus sort of knows my feelings about the first season, and uh-huh. if, he, if he doesn't, his ghost brother does. And well, ma- that's what's fixing Klaus and Diego is they both now have a sidekick who will mm-hmm. tell them why they're full of shit in different ways. So Klaus has ghost Ben who showed up like halfway through the season, but he's like a real, he's one of the siblings, even if only Klaus can see him now. And I, I would watch a ghost Ben show. I fucking oh, yeah. love his power. I love his attitude. And from whatever this means to you guys, uh, first season he was when the show started, his name would be at the bottom. And now when there's opening credits, his name is in the opening credits. Like he is fully. Nice. Hell yeah. A main character now. And then Diego has Foot Bacon Girl, who is, anytime he's too serious, she's there to say, look how fucking stupid you are. Is that a Tom Petty song? (laughs) Yeah. But there is, like, I'm very excited for, like, the addition to have, like, Ben as a part, because they're just, like, all these people need to go to therapy. Like, he's the only one who is well-adjusted and has, like, dealt with his past. So to have, like... Because he died. Because he died. <laughs> so he, like, straight up had to face that. But, like, now, like, to have, well, like, 
what is it, seven of these people, like, all just, like, running from their past. Like, you need somebody to ground you. So I'm very excited to have Ben. I mean, the other one that, like, the one that needs to go to therapy more than anybody else uh, has amnesia. Sorry about being the villain for the first season. I just don't remember my life. Do you think she really doesn't remember, or she's so horrified what she did, she's like, yeah, I don't know. I thought about that a lot. Like, uh, okay, so Ellen Page, the white violinist, what's her uh, character name? Vanya. Vanya. Vanya is now working in a sort of half farm, half business person. Like, the guy's like an accountant, but also has a barn. Um, and she's she's babysitting somebody who is autistic before there was a word for it, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, is connecting to the mom in ways that seem like friendship, but also seem like more. Mm-hmm. It could, yeah. uh, and she is even more than... Uh, what's her butt with the voice, like sort of like, oh, I'm going to make a new life. I'm going to enjoy my life. And yeah, I, I kept thinking the whole time, it, d- does she have amnesia? Therefore, she can now be happy. And at some point, number five and Diego are going to run up to her and be like, bitch, you should have seen what you did. It was so crazy. <laughs> or is she purposefully blacking that out so she can start a new life here? I think it's that one. Just because yeah. that seems more interesting to watch than if she truly didn't remember. It seems like more of what they would do too. Because that, like, that's the one part where it felt like I got a little bit of, like, deja vu to just have, like, her, like, not have this information about her past again and just, like, not, like, you know, before it was, like, her medicine, like, keeping it all down and everything. But, like, now she's just, like, she's either forgetting or is choosing to, like, block it. So that was, like, the one of the parts where I was, like, this seems like, like, what it was before. So that's what makes me think that, like, it is, like, she knows. All right, couple things real quick. Uh, one, because this show will always be compared to Doom Patrol, as Mike mentioned previously. It they started together, they come out at the same time. Uh, it always feels like inevitably the team is going to get back together. So how much time are we going to waste not having them together? And the episode I thought was good, but what a way to kick off the season of that fucking one camera action scene of all of them doing their shit. That was badass. Yeah, yeah. That apocalypse and so I forgot scene? to see that. Yes, and then, of course, they all know, well, we did good. Not going to change the apocalypse. Ah, we're dead. Uh, So, like, if you're going to keep them apart, you have to make it interesting, which I thought this one episode did. And then uh, the other thing is the second thing that I was about to say. I'll have you guys speak on the first thing while I remember. Yeah, for sure. But I was super hyped for that, like that whole scene where it's just like them all teamed up and the, like you see that they're the bad guys starting this whole apocalypse and you see all their powers that like I'm like, even if the show just went that route, I'm super excited for that. And because we don't know who's fighting what and why, are mm-hmm. they the bad guys? Or are they yeah. for the first time in our show actually a superhero team? Well, Mike, they're in all black, so I don't know if you know oh, about like they're probably the bad guys. They're got to be the bad guys. guys. Every fucking be. thing you guys say makes me want to talk about Stargirl and not whatever we're <laughs> talking about right now. <laughs> Cassie also thinks the X-Men are the bad guys from the X-Men movies then because they all wear black leather. They're the bad guys. Bad guys. <laughs> you hate P- mutants. People who listen to MCR, bad guys, all in black. Whoa. Yeah, Whoa. It's me too. <laughs> I actually, I've never listened to MCR. I only... Uh, live. Yeah, I feel it through my veins and then live my life because of that. <laughs> I think You only go into the city with your father to see a parade. <laughs> Otherwise, Dad, get the fuck out of here. There's not a parade in the city. Um, I think the big question for Umbrella Academy and a Netflix show is when it cut from one scene to another, were you guys bored? No. Uh, I thought this was a great 
episode in general and and Umbrella Academy definitely had that Netflix sag in the first season and I was just into what all these crazy kids are up to. All these crazy wild kids. And that's what like back to I think five's helping that a lot. The fact that like you kinda get him in each scene and getting him to like piece it all together is making it where like to me like I wasn't ever like there was no one when it cut to him I was like I don't care about this story because you want to see like how it all ties together so and I love the fact like in the first half of the Umbrella Academy uh, the first season like number five was like barely there right like he (laughs) came on later Uh, but now he's like this grizzled seasoned veteran of time travel and television and also he's in the body of a a young smart ass boy and just watching him be like like talking like a Vietnam vet like. He'll light a cigarette on his shoe and he'll just be like, yeah, I've seen this before. I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's it's one of those things that could be dumb and hacky, but makes me laugh. Anytime he reaches for black coffee and that scares an adult, or like <laughs> Hazel just calls him old timer because they worked together for 20 years, like it's delightful. That guy's yeah. name is Kevin Rankin, uh, and he's been in everything, and he always plays sort of like an off-kilter psychopath, but in a bad way. I hope he plays that as a good guy. I love this like character actor. I'm stoked that he's here. He was in Friday Hazel? Night Lights. No, no, no. Uh, the guy he takes the black coffee from. Oh, oh gotcha. Oh, the, the guy who was oh, the, the guy who's been, who, who's yeah. putting it all together. Is he who's he in Friday Night Lights? Because yeah, I recognize him and I couldn't place him. I think he's the guy who teaches Jason to play sports even in a wheelchair. He introduces yes. Murder Ball to Jason Murder Street. Ball. Man, I've never watched Friday Night Lights, and now I need to go just for that. What the like, fuck, Cassie? Amazing. We should I probably start under a new a podcast. Rock. Yeah, without a doubt. So, I mean, back. To, you guys, are you in for this season of Umbrella Academy based off this first episode? Yeah, it was hard not to keep going uh, with the show, which is always a good sign. Yeah, We're going to do uh, episode two and three next week, and Sweet. I think that's going to be a big deal. Like, if... If episode three sort of stalls out in typical Netflix style, I might mm-hmm. just bounce. But right now, like the way that Klaus and Diego have been reduced to interesting, as opposed to like uh, half John Lennon, half the wavy arm guys in the front of used car uh, parking lots. <laughs> They're like, called wacky wavy two men. Treat them with respect. <laughs> which they were in the first season. Then I think I might be out. But uh, so far, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued in all these storylines. I just they need to get the group back together. At the right time. And if it's one episode or two episodes longer than it should be, then I'm probably going to be out. Yeah. Yeah, I feel you on that. But it is... Like, also, you know, uh, get... Sorry. Rude. No, you're good. Go for it. Go for it, Ryan. What else do you got? Uh, chimpanzees live a long time. Probably in the 60s, they could have gone back and found young Pogo, and they okay. did not. So fuck this episode oh, right you... up the fucking nostril. <laughs> you haven't seen the still I've seen then. So oh, just shit. keep watching, no my friend. If you've ever wanted to see a young chimpanzee in a spaceship. Oh, my God. Well, I'm going to cry right now. Is he wearing a diaper? Is he so young that he's wearing uh, a diaper? Now I feel like I shouldn't have told you guys, but Man. it's a delightful picture. I hope it's a delightful scene. Mike, you're the motherfucker who's seen the entire S.H.I.E.L.D. season and then is laughing at us for talking about when Fitz comes back. Like, why didn't you not keep that under your hat? I don't care. Pogo's coming back. And I, I, I'm in. I'm watching. <laughs> so I'm ride or die for this show now. You get this it's on Netflix. You can watch it whenever you should watch it two by two a week with us. And coming up next is the pull list. We are back here for the pull list where we talk about all the other shows we watched this week. The first show starting it off is Warrior Nun. And the season finale of Warrior Nun. Doretti is named Pope and Ava gets the lowdown from Adriel. Turns out Adriel is just a demon who looks handsome, and the entire OCS is built on lies. 
Doretti was not the villain, just a common asshole. And the one pulling the crooked strings that got Sister Shannon killed was Father Vincent. Taste buds, I ask you this. Does the lingering mystery of Jillian Salvius' son and his vision-creating portals intrigue you, or did it get in the way of a focused finale? Uh, I'll take this. Um, <laughs> I didn't watch it or any of the last seven episodes, but do you guys find this podcast to be bullshit when we're not talking about Stargirl? Like, when is oh. that going to happen? Are, are we going to be there soon? Just wait so, ten minutes. Soon enough, let's right. talk about Warrior Nun. It was a big episode, but I'm glad you I'll take my up. answer off air. Yeah, take it to the message boards. But, Mike, I'm glad you brought up Bubble Boy, because, like, I didn't know, like, I wanted to get with you to see, like, if you knew what was happening with this. Like, is it confirmed he's really talking to angels, or is this, like, kind of a mystery throughout this whole season? It is a mystery, and it's definitely been hints. Like, he was drawing weird shit, and he kind of was like, oh... Ava's coming, and then she's like, who's Ava? Like, he, there's been hints of stuff, but in this episode, he's just like, my angel, and she's like, Ava? And he's like, no, the one who told me to build the thing. We don't know who that is. Mm. I guess the hint is maybe it's Adriel, but it's oh. definitely a giant thing to leave completely open, not even hint at, especially because the kid jumps into the portal when his mom's like, wait, was all this a mistake? And then the sick yeah, kid just... jumps into hell, we think. <laughs> he just straight up pieces out. He's like, it's my time. Bye. I'd rather be in this portal than this bubble. Which, like, <laughs> it would be, like, if I wasn't so, if it wasn't such a mystery, I feel like it would be distracting because it was kind of jarring every time you went back to it. But I feel like it probably mm-hmm. helped it to have that little bit of a break. And we just get, like, it's more build up to bring people in for, like, the next season. So... I don't know like yeah. how effective it was, but it was it was a little jarring, but I don't think it took away too much from everything happening. How stunned were you that Doretti, who became Pope in this finale, was not the big bad guy, that was that, in fact the hot priest? That we were fucking right from the first episode and we backed away from that? I was so mad. I was bummed that like I was like, we called it. They really let us know when he wasn't singing that he was the bad guy and it was this reveal <laughs> in this one. I was like, Are you kidding me? I felt like I felt like a damn fool. Heroes always sing. Always. you got to know that. But as a team sing along, look around for who's not singing because they're going to betray you. Not even not sing. He just straight up shut it down. And I should have trusted that instinct right then. But they really built him up. They were just working with hot priests so, so hard. But what I like about it is the Cardinal, who's now Pope, is really he's he's not good just because he wasn't the one who killed Shannon. He's still a shithead who like gutted the OCS brought in all the two violent nuns. Like, he still did all those things. This didn't, like, reframe the whole season. It's like, oh, there's just so many different kinds of bad men in power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he didn't bring in, like, this demon king or whatever this dude is. So I guess he's not that bad. And that's the level we're working with. But did you have, like... So, like, my bullshit meter got kind of fucked up with that whole thing. Did you believe Adriel for, like, any second? Did you think he was on, like, the good side at all? Or did you instantly feel like he was a bad guy? Yeah, the minute he was still alive and Ava walked in there, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. something funky is going to happen. And, like, he looked a little too Jesus-y. And, like, especially so so much of this was a, this episode was a flashback. Uh, Ava was in uh, the original Warrior Nun. She saw it through her eyes and saw, like, all the legends they've been told were way off. This guy looked way closer to Aladdin than a heroic angel, the way he was jumping through yeah. ahead of the lawman. The lawman here being a giant magma demon. <laughs> And again, one he step was ahead of the line. sword, at least. Oh yeah, <laughs> at least. But there was like the moment he kind of got me, where I wasn't sure anymore, was when he like 
when Ava brought the question to him was like, you know, if you're proof of heaven, like you're an angel, you're proof of heaven, why would they lock you away? And he was like, it was proof there's no manipulation and like no fear. So like, of course mm-hmm. they would lock me away. And I was like, oh shit, okay, excellent call out. Yeah. It was definitely a Yoda type. Without this, there's no this. With the, the, this, it, like, it's all connected. Yeah. Uh, but I liked, like, and when she kept questioning, because she's Ava, he's like, you think div- divinity's infallible, but it's not. It's messy. It's complicated. That's life, babe. And her her instant response of, you're so full of shit. Like, she, <laughs> like, she knows what, like, charming dudes who are evil are now. Yeah. Yeah, she's, she, our little baby's grown so much. It's, I'm glad you, like, I'm glad you stuck out with the show just so I could get to this finale. Because that ending fight scene was kick-ass as hell. Like, I was super hyped for this episode, actually. They're really good at fight scenes, it turns out. They're uh, actually... They got a lot better throughout. Uh, yeah, there, there's, so, there's, there's a point where Camilla, who's like the young hacker nun, somebody shoots uh, a crossbow, and she grabs it before it can hit her, reloads into hers, and shoots it back at them. Mm-hmm. That was fucking rad. Rad as hell. And then, like, once Lilith, like, the whole reason, like, now she could go against this guy because she's been to the other side. So as soon as she stepped forward and she's like, I fucking got this shit, I was like, hell yeah. Started, like, yes. running laps. It was so, it was so great. But, um, I do, I just want to talk about that fight scene. It was just such a good ending, even though it ended on, like, that cliffhanger. Like, I was so glad. As soon as they just, like, started, like, step up as a unit and we're like, we're going to kick this guy's ass, this whole demon, whole demon's ass. <laughs> but, uh,. Yeah, so uh, I know you loved it throughout the whole season. Are you in for... Yeah. It, it, it started off rocky. There's some stupid fucking moments throughout it. It's not like a perfect show at all, but it is my kind of like... I was raised on Buffy, and this is my kind of dumb fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's anti-religion, which is, you know, pressing my own personal buttons there as well. So <laughs> if we find out they're not demons and angels, they're all just weird, hot aliens, that's cool, man. <laughs> I'll also, it... If you're religious, it doesn't mean that you're good. I like that. Like, there's so many yeah. things of like, oh, you believe in God, therefore you're probably perfect, and that's not true. Nope, not true. Yeah, because Doretti is full on normal religious in this, and he's just a dickhead. Do you guys think that when like TV historians look back at this time in TV history, uh, like 15 to 20 or 16 to 2021, it's just it's the time of the Pope. Every show needs popes. There's so many popes on TV right now. Yeah, what's with all the popes? Only That's you. a show. That's a CBS sitcom right there. <laughs> they all live together in one apartment. That's way too big for their salary. Man, that sounds like a great show. Uh, Mike, do you have a moment of the week from this episode, though? Yeah, towards the end, uh, Adriel has made the Wraith Demons come out and possess all the normal people who are there. And all the nuns do the thing where they say, uh, they say, in this life or the next. And then Mary steps in front of them. And she says, fuck that, in this life. And just starts, everybody's like, well, they're normal people possessed. Should we attack them? And Mary just starts shotgunning all the normal people yeah. and then gets like swallowed by the mob. It was awesome. Yeah, that is, that's my moment of the week, too. Just that whole scene, like specifically that, but that whole scene where they just like come together and like, they like fuck the dude up. He like falls to the ground. He's got like arrows sticking in him and everything. And you see him like slowly get up and he's like, you like, he's like, you fools. Like you thought you could take me on. And they're just like, no, we just had to wait for our girl to recharge. And then she just fucks Mm -hmm. him up. Epic. Loved it. Kicked ass. It was on Netflix. We'll see when it, when it comes back. Hold on, Cassie. So sorry. So sorry. So sorry. Mike, can I ask you a question real quick? Uh, Sure. You are the, you're a Buffy connoisseur. And this week we're talking about warrior nun. We're talking about Winona Earp. We're talking about star girl. Are you tired of the comparisons, or is it hard to watch these shows and not see, oh, this, none of this would be here if it wasn't for Buffy? Yeah, it's, it's, I'm not tired of the comparisons. Uh, 
you two, I happen to have two thoughtful, intelligent, funny panelists on the show with me. And so most people do just see a woman being badass and go, it's like Buffy. Uh, these shows all have that Buffy DNA for very specific and different reasons. They all took a different thread from Buffy uh, and ran with it a little. But you, uh, like, you appreciate how like, it's finally being recognized as like, this monumental milestone. Yeah, it, it's uh, that and Xena are starting to get a lot more respect than they did when they were around. And, and I think they're different qualities of show, and Xena's a lot cheesier, but they did. 13 year old Mike is stoked right now. For what they were. Yeah, it's, it's a good time to be uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of those comparisons, our next show of the week is Winona Earp. On this week's episode of Winona Earp, Winona makes it to the Garden of Eden just in time to keep Not Hot from killing Doc. Waverly takes her rightful place on the throne before Winona is able to snap her out of it. And the three of them make it back to Purgatory to find out that this one episode actually took 18 months, as Winona makes a time jump that is roughly as long as the show was off the air. But who gives a shit about any of this? As Taste Buds, I ask you this. Is this the longest, most revealing sex scene, much less gay sex scene, in the history of network television? I was stunned. It just kept going. And, like, it had, like, the Red Shoot Diaries, like, gauze filter on it. And, like, I was surprised how much body we saw because I thought sci-fi had network rules a little. 18 months, you're gone. You're a boy and a girl. You get, like, one minute to kiss and, like, do Humpty stuff. Gay people, 30 seconds tops. No, you know what? 15 seconds. You're gay. Get that out of here. This was minute after minute, and it was, like, you can't show nipples. You can't show penetration. There was none of that. But, like, the thrusting and the romance and the camera angles and, like, the music, and I I could not believe this. And I think we would have seen nipples if not for computer editing. Like, there was some (laughs) stuff there was so much there that I was like, oh, you Barbie dolled this stuff. And I wasn't, like, angry or demanding. I was just shocked at that all of it happened. Yeah, not a lot of people know this, but the actress who is Waverly has eight back nipples, and they had to CGI all of those out. Mm-hmm. Just took them out. And yeah, this was, it, it felt like the actress who plays Hot in her contract, she went, I want one episode where I just don't have to wear clothes 80% of the time. Because when she was Eve as Hot, she was naked until she put like flowers around her. And then when she was Hot as Hot, she was in her clothes for two minutes and then out of them for the next 20 minutes. Well, she was wearing that smile. I. It does feel like that Winona Earp drank the Kool-Aid, but like that seems yeah. so negative. That seems like I, – I, I don't mean that to be a pejorative. I mean that like over the course of the break, they realized how important they were to a culture mm-hmm. and then stepped up their game and ran with it. And it's not. it doesn't seem like virtue signaling. and It doesn't seem like, uh, hey, like us even more than you already did. It was like, oh, we have a job to do. Like we are – uh, we we are a show that like uh, serves this culture, and they're fuck it. They they did it in this episode. Yeah, man, I can't imagine being like a queer preteen or thirteen year old nerd, uh, and this this would rock my world for the next four years. Like, if you're questioning, this show will help you figure out what your deal is. Uh, while it's a it's a good old fun time. I thought you meant drink the Kool Aid. Like, it does feel like Winona the character drank the Kool Aid and realized how much the world loves Winona, even if the characters hate her because her quip to normal sentence ratio has increased greatly <laughs> that is true yeah she's basically a quip machine at this point uh but no i mean that like uh finding out that like you have a huge gay following and then you know like stepping up the game and saying not yeah. only are we gonna like get away from that uh we're gonna do the reverse and like knock it out the park i've i've never seen this on tv before yeah it's awesome this is again like uh xena was 
a queer show, but they could never really show it, show it. Right. They almost did a lot of times, but uh, because it was the 90s uh, and Kevin Sorbo was at least slightly involved, they couldn't show anything. Uh, <laughs> and they couldn't really just have Gabrielle and Zena be together. And Winona is the 2020 version of that. We're like, fuck it. These are adults in love. If you don't know who Kevin Sorbo is, uh, he was on Doom Patrol dressed as Jesus, beating people up for not loving Jesus enough. (laughs) Uh, And then we had Zena. But, like, back then, and I'm I'm trying to figure this out with uh, 1985 horror, which Mm -hmm. is just, like, the queerest horror year of all time, and how, as a kid, you have to sort of, like, analyze and go find your stuff because it's all subtext. Right. And why no no and that it, um, that's sort of what Xena was, you know. And like if you're watching Buffy, if you're 12 and Buffy's on, and you just like you see Sarah and Allison in the same scene, you're like, oh man, like kiss or something. And now now you just get it. Now you just get it in a yeah. mainstream show. It's rad. It's a it's a cool time to be alive that everybody just gets their stuff. <laughs> Wait, guys, we're th- that might. It sounds like it's probably the moment of the week. But Ryan, do you have a moment of the week? <laughs> Uh, yes, my moment of the week is realizing that Doc and Winona is the, like the least complicated relationship on the show. That's the boy girl one. Uh, thinking about Winona Waverly and Winona Hot and Waverly Hot, and then like it's just it's just like all of these uh, like nuanced female relationships. And then this episode, I think, pointed out that the most crazy one, the most nuanced one, is Winona Winona, where. <laughs> They just kick the shit out of each other. And then my second one is when uh, she sees a copy of her and says, why clone a herb? I mean, come on, guys. That is one of my two. She's like, are you a clone? Why clona? <laughs> like, it was perfect. Or orphan whack. Yes. Uh, my second brain. one. <laughs> my second one is because uh, Eve's g- g- rotating through all the different faces and she puts on Jeremy again. And then she goes, and apparently she knows like their memories. And she's like, oh, there's so much useless pop culture knowledge in this thing. And Doc gets very angry. And he says, it's not useless. It shows he has passion. Uh, and Doc's defense of Jeremy's nerddom was adorable. We need that here for us. Well, you guys, Winona is on Sundays on Sci-Fi Channel. Our next show of the week is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. On Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Cora does the whole fake captive thing so she can upload Sybil into the lighthouse computers, which eventually leads to the Chronicom ships coming out of deep space and taking out all S.H.I.E.L.D. bases. Meanwhile, Nathaniel's digging through Gemma's memories to figure out where Fitz is, eventually leading her to forget she ever knew of Fitz. Taste buds, I ask you this. Would you kill 30 people to save thousands? I would not. I'm a good person. I gotta say, Mike, that I watched this episode, uh, Full Eyes, Full Hearts, full lose and like no phone no anything and i did not know anything that you just said um, <laughs> i i like i like how good guys say like don't kill one person for a million or two people for a billion like we have to save everyone and that's what the show is doing but right now what i'm looking for in shield is uh susa and uh quake and uh-huh. we'll get to that in a second. And Mac on a ship waiting and just fucking hanging out, talking about how we're about to graduate high school. Yeah. And That's I want so to know, cause... with you right now, are you closer to Quake or are you closer to Mac? Because everybody that Quake talks to or Daisy talks to, they're like, yeah, just friendships break up. It's like, it's going to end soon. And it also seems like they have a TV guide in their hand saying, like, look yeah. at the schedule. Like, it's going to be on. And uh, Daisy's having a hard time. How are you doing with the impending end of Agents of Shield? I'm I'm gonna be bummed. It's not like I was shocked how much I cried 
the whole last season of Arrow, but the last episode of Arrow hit me hard. And I think Shield's going to be just as hard. And it's, it's next week, dude. It's next episode of Superhero Show. I didn't Show know Show. that. Did not know that. Don't <laughs> like that at all. So, no, I'm not ready. I guess I'm close. I was going to say I'm closer to Mac, but knowing that, that I thought we had like four more weeks. Uh, with some of these guys, with Colson, we've hung out with him since 2010. So, it is a decade of Colson and eight years of the rest of them. And that is longer than a lot of my friendships and any of the jobs I've ever had. And <laughs> we had a yeah, draft last. We had a draft last week, and just so everybody knows, the score is one to zero to zero. Uh, Enoch was on this episode, and I have now taken a commanding lead. Uh, uh, man. Was it hologram Enoch? Bullshit. It, it was, was not. Flashback. It was a flashback, but. Okay. And if it was stock footage, like if it was previously seen footage, then I wouldn't take the point, but. It wasn't. I'm up, and you guys are down. You guys, yeah. Are you lose. could tell it was the past because Gemma had a horrible wig on. <laughs> Everyone did. Did Enoch have like a ponytail? Yeah, he had a double bald cap. <laughs> I, I love the TV rule of flashback. Hold on, everybody, run! Find the worst fucking wig they can find and put it on. Um, but watching Daisy and Mac and not realizing how important that relationship was to me, uh, yeah. I need. I've got Daisy and Phil one more time. <sighs> Phil and May. Mm-hmm. One more time, and Fitz and Simmons one more time, and I think I'm good. You don't need Mac and Yo-Yo? No. Uh, Deke and Zima? Deke and Zima, just having a conversation. <laughs> Deke finds a talking bottle of Zima. Uh, this also like uh, answered a seven-year-long question for me uh, about Mac, and we see Mac in a lot of ways in this episode, and he, uh, you and I have notoriously hated the character, the performance, the writing. I'm not sure. Uh he can't not be corny. There are yeah. there are so many people who are corny sometimes when the situation demands. Or maybe you don't want to be, but you, you accidentally are. Every single situation, he's corny as fuck. I don't know. I, again, I don't know if it's the actor or the writer, but everything he says makes me roll my eyes so hard. But without the show acknowledging it. Because if everybody made fun of Mac because he was a constant corn dog, that'd be fine. Like that is like, but they all act like he is the coolest, toughest action hero instead of everybody's nerdy dad. If they changed his name to Constance Corndog, I would, <laughs> I would definitely be down with that. But like, no, he came like uh, Daisy and Susan are trying to escape without Mac knowing. He comes in, and he's like, "Well, you can't escape unless I let you." And everything that comes out of his mouth is yeah. cheesy as fuck. How do you like that? Because, yeah, Sybil knows the time streams, even for this new time. So they all have to act unpredictable to be able to win. Uh, are you rolling your eyes? You're like, this is going to be fun. No, I like that part. I, I, I think it's cool where everybody's like, uh, we know that Sybil's the bad guy, and let's do what the opposite is. It's uh, Do you remember Metal Gear, Metal Gear Solid on PS1? You guys remember I that do. game? Yeah. Solid Snake? Solid Snake, yeah. Do you remember how to beat that one boss that I'm thinking of? What, uh, trick him? Yeah, Hug him? so, so he could see all your moves ahead of time. So what you had to do is you had to unplug your controller from the first spot and plug it into the second spot, and he couldn't see your moves anymore. That's wild. And that's what they did to Sybil. And, of course, you know, it's Marvel, so next episode is going to be another Sybil war. They just love their Sybil wars. But, <laughs> no, I like, I like trusting Daisy's bullshit. Like, Daisy is always punk rock, and this is the time where they're like, I think we have to be. I think we just Please have to, like... be punk rock. Yeah, she just wants to, like light a firework and put it in her butt and have it go off. And I think we just have to do that. You guys, everybody should do that at least once in their life. <laughs> Always let your friends do that too. Uh, real quick. So sorry. Uh, yes. what do you Malik, is walk- Malik is walking around in flashbacks. 
Is this new Fitz material? Did Fitz it did Fitz return for this episode? Yeah, if Enoch, if you're saying it's not old Enoch, it's not old Fitz. This is all new scenes they filmed. I don't think it's all new scenes. I think that we saw footage from when Ward. Oh, and man, you drafted Ward first pick. Their delivery of the name Grant Ward is coming. Were you nervous? Like, were you ready to just take the draft down? Yes, I was. And then he did not. <laughs> and also, nobody, nobody drafted Fitz. That feels like that should have been <laughs> number one yeah. out of our mouth. Yeah, for sure. Cassie, okay. no more interruptions. All right. Thank you, Ryan. So I'll go to Mike first. Mike, do you have a moment of the week? Uh, yeah, Phil is realizing because he was in a computer, he can read code now. Uh, and Sybil's in the computer, and they're, like, interacting. And she says... Oh, I only know hunger and just Colson is only for jokes in this episode. And he's like, Oh, that's not creep or anything. And Sybil keeps threatening them. And may just keeps reading them all out loud. And he gets so annoyed. He's like, I can read English too. Stop reading. It's not making it helpful. <laughs> and it was uh, just him sniping was, it was delightful. See, it's not the look in their eyes when they look at each other that makes them belong together. It's that right there. <laughs> like that's how relationships work. I can read English. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Ryan, what about you? Moment of the week? My moment of the week is when uh, a bunch of the bad guys are like, I know for a fact, 100%, that we are alone and there's no Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And then Deke pops his head out, like, seven <laughs> feet, like, around the door, Scooby-Doo style. Like, he just pops it out immediately. And then, like, the next thing that happens is he gets the living shit kicked out of him. But for one second, Deke had that moment. <laughs> All right, you guys. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is on Wednesdays on the ABC. Our next show is Stargirl. On the penultimate episode of Stargirl, Pat and Barb are packing up their mixed family, the tiny JSA, and Justin, and taking them to the woods to hide from the Injustice League, who has sent Sportsmaster and Tigress to take them out. Like every good camping trip, it's filled with bonding and huge discoveries, as Pat helps Rick decode his dead dad's journal, which maps out the entire Injustice League evil lair. The team then suits up and storms the lair, but unfortunately they are a little too late as Brainwave is already strapped into the mind control weapon and takes over not only all adult minds, but also takes direct control over mecked up Pat. Taste Buds, I ask you, what are the chances that the power of love will be able to beat out mind control? I mean, I can't believe that, like, Cassie, based on the thing that you just read, we should hate this show, right? Like, we should be disgusted <laughs> by, like, the, the earnestness of this show, but... Uh, the power of love is going to come through. Like it's Star Girl just has proved that like it's gonna win. Yeah, it's it happened on every one of the other Arrowverse shows, so it's gonna happen here. But for some reason, we're not gonna roll our eyes as hard. It's gonna be because it, it's the power of love of Pat. Like once you have the stepdad yes. power of love, like you, you, obviously it's gonna be the best. I can't like normally I would hate this move. I am going to love it when the power of love makes him turn. Or. Courtney's going to kick the living shit out of him and then go <laughs> save the day. And that's cool, too. Either way, you're so right. There, It can do no wrong. It just it feels like that time, it, like the time that we do every week of like, hey, guys, uh, despite the details that we're saying, I swear to God, Stargirl is the best show on TV, even though the words that we say may not make it seem like that. Uh, and that takes me to the ISA's plan. And they've sort of been <laughs> telegraphing this for a while of about how, like, they want the world to probably be better than it actually is. And then all the teens hear about how they like the big evil plan is healthcare for all, uh, no more pollution, uh, just like a perfect world. And all the teens have to like take a knee, take a moment and say, isn't this great? And I would think on any other show, this would be so dumb and stupid. But mm -hmm. Stargirl makes it work. 
Yeah, and it's anybody because, and I've seen this on the internet being like, oh, they're really the good guys. But like, only if you ignored that they're willing to kill at least 25 million people to at get the least. There. Yeah. And free will is gone. So it's the whole no, the ends normally do not justify the means. And also, like, what I'm confused about is their plan is like, so the mind control only affects like fully grown, fully developed brains, which means all these kids are like not mind control. What is their plan for all the kids? Like, do they think that- they could just like. <laughs> mom them into believing this stuff or like yeah i mean kids don't control universal health care discrimination or alternative energy so yeah i do think the kids wouldn't be a big problem if they weren't superheroes it doesn't matter though like the the people who write the show i do think do a good job of writing teen dialogue like writing interesting teen characters and then also grew up in the 80s where adults are bad and teens rule and teens will save the day <laughs> and they made a scientific reason for that to happen yeah I'm so excited. Also, speaking of being excited, how excited were you guys when Sportsmaster, we got Sportsmaster and Tigress again? I mean, I, I did not expect them to be two of my favorite characters on this show oh, and man. that they, they were sent to hunt. And at first I was like, but they're goons. What are you doing? But yeah, Tigress versus Barbara and Courtney and Sportsmaster versus Pat and Mike were fucking awesome scenes. It's not just that. It's not that like they are threatening, but for some reason they bring Ang Lee in to like every time they come in Ang Lee comes in and directs the fight scenes and they just like climb through trees and do all of this awesome stuff they have very specific fighting styles mm-hmm. that nobody else on this show has or on our other shows which is neat like uh sportsmaster's way of being really relaxed before he destroys somebody is terrifying mm-hmm. and the other thing too is i think that the writers are, are saying like let's do sportsmaster because nobody who would watch the show would ever remember Casey Jones. Well, how about this, motherfucker? I remember Casey Jones, and I love it even more because of that. <laughs> it's so good. I was so excited. But in that moment, we also got Legacy Mike coming through and stepping up and drilling Sportsmaster. Like, we got a- in, the back. <laughs> in the back. Like, Mike was I did a- not know Chekhov's drill. Mike was being an annoying little shit in the garage while Pat was trying to tell him what was going on and how he loves him and how he has to protect him. Mike's just playing with the drill annoyingly. All right, let's set the scene, though, because I, I do think that we- uh, talk about how luke wilson is awful all the time on the show and how mike is the best but in the foreground mike won't stop hitting the trigger on this drill while his dad perfect luke wilson probably a saint maybe an angel i don't know is trying to talk to him and my god he saves his father's life with that drill yeah it's unreal i did not like they gave him this brief moment of competency and then they proceeded to dunk on him so savagely throughout the rest of this to the point where, like, I'm about to ask you guys a question, and don't make fun of me for this, but I just have to know. Do we feel, like, are they going to make Mike a villain eventually? They are just Ooh. so savage against this child where, like, they they keep having him be, like, keep his head up. Like, he keeps getting knocked down. Like, Courtney let him, like, he briefly thought he would be good enough to, like, touch the staff. Courtney let him go all the way through to touch the staff, and then once it didn't, like, light up for him, there was no platitudes, nothing to make him feel better. It was just, like, it'd be like that, I guess. And, like, there's no <laughs> way. This kid, he's going through so much. He's getting dunked on constantly. So I don't know if they're setting and- up, like, villain, or we just need somebody, like, now that Pat, like, kicks ass and is a total badass, like, do we have to have this person to make fun of? And I'm, I'm so sorry. What is this trope's name? This character's name? Jerry? The stereotype. Uh, what is the the boy's name? Pat's son? Mike? Yeah, just they all sort of work the same. I, I, the best part of that scene is Courtney's reaction where uh, he touches the staff and he's like, well, maybe someday I could be a hero. And Courtney's like, maybe. Bro, <laughs> like, 
I'm just going to say what you need to hear. But like in a lot of ways, he's the boy version of Cindy. And by the way, if if the if the new JSA thinks they have it rough, Cindy and Solomon Grundy are both about to get out of their cages and fuck them up. But yeah, I could totally see Mike going, fuck this shit. I'm I'm a, I'm drill man. I'm a boy and I deserve more. And yeah, I'm just going to drill people. Yeah. Because it's just, they're so savage with him. But also, you brought up um, Cindy. And we got to see Brainwave now. Like, we got just another person, like, mentally abusing this child of straight up just, like, your father sees you as an experiment and we never want you in here. Enjoy this cave. Like, they are so savage when it comes to these kids. He has done so many villainous things. But the most villainous is, like, looking a 14-year-old girl in the eyes and just telling the truth. Your dad (laughs) fucking hates you and you're stupid. And I hate you, too. And because I trust the show, it's going to be awesome. It's not like she gets out and she joins the ISA now. We just have a different, like, chaotic villain. So it's going to be numerous parties trying to do a bunch of stuff. I think we're also going to get, so Tuba Kid, so uh, the Fiddler's um, son, like, you know, he's in her her office, like, crying. And she's like, your dad used to be bullied until he shoved, like, a violin stick down some kid's eardrum. And then she <laughs> dies. Like, this kid is also going to be yeah. a villain. We're about to have so many fucked up motherfuckers. The tubular. The tubular. <laughs> but that was like, so she said that line of, like, your father shoved a violin stick down their eardrum. And then he looks at his tuba. Like, how do you kill somebody with a tuba? What is what is <laughs> Way going- easier than a violin. You just throw it at their fucking head. <laughs> and I'm sorry. I was in high school band. I. Uh, did, so like I remember all like, I relate to this more than anything else. Did, were the the bullies were calling him the tuba turd? That's the Disney Plus version. I know this is on Disney Plus, but they can't say what the bullies really called us band kids in high school <laughs> on the show. Tuba shit? Like what's worse than that? What's worse than the tuba turd? That's the most insulting thing I've ever heard. That is the most insulting thing. It's devastating for sure. And the only part of this episode that did feel a little bit cheesy is the like the two numbers that were the key to unlocking the cipher were the was the year of Rick's like Rick's dad's car, which is the one thing that like he knew about him, the one thing we knew about him. I was like, this motherfucker never tried the car year. All right, so well, no, it's funny because he tried his birthday and it didn't work. <laughs> There's no way that Rick's dad knew Rick's birthday, but uh, that's why you need Pat. That's why you need adults is to come in and be like, oh, it's this very obvious thing that's not about you, and then he just opens it right away. Yeah. Well, you guys, sadly, that is all the time we have to talk about Stargirl. So, real quick, do you guys have moments of the week, starting with Ryan? Uh, I have seven moments of the week, and it's all the times that I screamed out loud. I swear to God, I have never seen movies in movie theaters that make me, like, ejaculate vocally as much as the show does. But uh, my head, or my moment of the week is definitely um, the, the band geek, full in uniform. Did not change before he talked to his mom, the fiddler, a villain, <laughs> uh, saying I'm being bullied. And she's like, what What are they doing to you? I'm going to fucking kill him. And uh, he says, they called me a tuba turd. And <laughs> if I'm not even a super villain. I'm just a normal villain. And if my kid said that, I would laugh super hard and then call <laughs> him a tuba turd. For the rest of his life. Fucking 
get off this chair and go fucking hit someone with a tuba. Like, what the fuck? Tuba turd. It doesn't help that, yeah, he's still in his band uniform, but also it's, like, ripped in the sleeve, and that's what he's most heard about. He's like, look at the little rip. You're just like, God Uh, damn (laughs) Yeah, there's one tiny rip in his otherwise immaculate band uniform. I guess the bully is also seamstress and took a seam ripper and just went, and perfectly took the sleeve off. I guess maybe I spent four years dealing with more clever bullies that said way worse things than tuba turd. I would have I would have taken that as a compliment and yeah. made a baseball card of a picture of me with tuba turd underneath. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> Bradley warned it. Yeah, there's a lot of puns based on me being a bundle of sticks when I was in high school. <laughs> Mike, what about you? Moment of the week? Uh, I got two. One uh, we alluded to earlier. It's Rick very sincerely after they hear the ISA's plan. He goes, Pat, are you sure we're on the right side? And means it. <laughs> like, uh, and that got me. And the other is like, I love this shit. It's so stupid. I get if people roll their eyes and don't like it. The gambler, when he shows up like digitally, he says, I just hacked your hack of our hack. (laughs) And man, I love it. I'm not even up rolling my eyes. I love it. There's also like the JSA, like, so they have this like dramatic countdown clock for when their plan's going to go off, but they hadn't tested the weapon until then. Like we're six hours in when they put brainwave up to it and we're like, we'll see if it kills you or not. I'm like, motherfuckers, why did you start the countdown clock? That's bad product management, there was, for sure. There was so also much there. the watch manyness of it all, where like they think that they have thirty minutes until the thirty minutes, uh-huh. and they're like, "Oh no, motherfucker, we actually started the real thirty minutes," but that still gives them thirty minutes, so it's yeah. actually not that crazy. Like they still have time to figure it out. Yeah, most of the next episode. <laughs> it's also dramatic, so extra. I love it. Uh, my moment of the week, I got two as well. The first one is when Justin just rolls up to the cabin with, like, KFC for the whole family. Like, love that guy. And then the other one is when we see that Pat's robot is controlled by a flip phone. Because that is just, that is, a little detail is so on brand for him. And I love that shit. Also, Justin parks his raised truck outside of the cabin with his hot Mustang and a giant robot. And they're like, oh, let's go undercover. Like, no one can find this fucking (laughs) dope-ass thing that we just set up. It's oh man! It sounds absurd. It's a great show. You should be watching it. It is. It's Mondays. so good. It, I cannot stress how good it is. Mondays on the DCU, Tuesdays on the CW, and you guys, that was our last show that we watched this week. It is the end of our show now. So, Mike, can you tell us about some websites? Yeah, head over to yourpopfilter.com to get literally everything we put out. Uh, while you're there, throw a little slash Amazon at the end of that and shop that way. Help us. Fuck Jeff Bezos. Uh, I lied. Yourpopfilter.com is not where we actually put everything. We put even more stuff over at patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. If you give a little money towards us, you'll get a little <laughs> every month, uh, every week. And uh, go there to find out what I meant by that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, there is. Like, you're done with this episode, but we do have more. With There's a... Ryan was complaining this whole time because there was no bullshit, but we have the continuation of the bullshit, and that is with the cast pin that's on our Patreon, so you can get that if you head over there. And uh, Sorry that we had a podcast with no bullshit. Please give us money so you can <laughs> hear the stupid bullshit. If you want the bullshit, it is on Patreon. Ryan, can you tell us about the other shows? Yes, we have so many other shows that you would enjoy. First and foremost is the OCD. Did we talk tonight about the OCS? Yes. Uh, briefly. What is that? Is that the like the anti-pope order of the people? cruciform sword. Okay. The order of the cruciform sword? Yes. Okay. So OCS is a podcast where they talk just about that sword as much as possible. OCD is where we talk about 
every episode of the OC if it is in the first two seasons of the show. Very soon, we're going to get to the third, but please subscribe and download to the OCD because we still have to pay for it to be up, and we're not making yeah. any new ones. <laughs> so do that. Uh, but the two big ones are, one, a movie of the year where me and Mike duke it out like frenemies about what is the single greatest movie of any given year. And the other one is Unnatural 20s, where Cassie sends us a memo every week that says, please do not be on this show because this is about me and my true friends dealing with life, rolling through life in their 20s. What's the catchphrase? That's it. Dealing and rolling through life in our 20s. And Mike and Ryan aren't there. That's all you need to know about the show. <laughs> Good get I, I mean, it hurts, but I would buy a shirt that said <laughs> so all that. Nice. We'll work on it, Mike. That's your your birthday gift coming up. Uh, Mike, another gift for you. Can you tell us about social media? Good yeah, gift. At, <laughs> the whole, true what a gift. gift. What a treat. At your pop filter on Twitter. On Instagram, you know how those work. We were going to be on TikTok, but that's gone now, so we're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Saved it. Saved all those dances. So you can get those dances over on Patreon, maybe. That's not going to yeah. happen. <laughs> but we no, also- I am. I have a, you know what, this week, Patreon fans, uh, I have some videos of me dancing I'm going to have to put on. What? <laughs> oh, man. Wow. A true gift. We also got an email that's contact at your pop filter. If you're watching these shows, let us know what you're thinking about them. And if we uh, say anything dumb, call us out over there. And next week, you guys, we got another big episode coming up because it is the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. final two episodes. So you got to tune in for that. Mike and Ryan might cry. So we, it's going to be great. For sure. We also Not get- might. Will. Will. <laughs> that's a guarantee. That's a your pop filter guarantee. We're also covering Stargirl's season finale and the Umbrella Academy sibs start to come together so tune in for that that has been that's next week this has been this show for mike i'm ryan for ryan i'm me and for me i am mike bye everyone bye